Welcome to the Orion Podcast, hosted by Jessa and Laurel of A Stellar Co., a podcast that connects you with the knowledge and resources you need to drive a more conscious form of capitalism. Orion starts now. Hey, Jessa. This is nice being with you. I know. I was just like, oh, this is weird because we've been introducing ourselves on camera, and I'm like, oh. Hi. It's very unnatural. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, enough about us. Uh, Who's our guest? We have our advisors, Cyrus and Joe, back again for the second time. We just can't get enough of you. Thanks for joining us. Yay. Good to see you guys. Yeah, thank you guys for coming back. We're jealous that you're together and we're not. I know. It, last time it was all four of us in the podcast room before coronavirus, and it was such a good vibe to like be with you. We really miss you a lot. Same um, here. Are grateful that you can join us virtually. Um, yeah. So the last time we did this, it was just audio, and now we get video to share with the world. So, dear world, these are this is XQ Innovation. Hello. Hey, world. <laughs> hey, world. <laughs> So, like we said, we've had you guys on here before, and it was probably, you were one of our first podcast guests, so thanks for uh, taking a chance as we were finding our way with the podcast world, and for anyone who didn't listen yet, would you give an overview um, of XQ Innovation, who you are, and what you do? Joe, you want this one, or should I take it? You go for it. (laughs) So, you know, XQ is an organization where our whole mission is to help change organizations through the people that work there. So our focus, our specialty, our expertise is in human interaction in the workplace, outside of the workplace. And it's how, you know, we call ourselves XQ because we feel like everybody has an X factor. Everybody has something that's sort of unique to them. And, uh, you know, how great would it be if we all knew what that was and we spent time developing it and getting better at it to the point where we become a huge contributor wherever we are. And so that's really the core, uh, the core power behind what XQ likes to do, which is change organizations through people, help people get better, help people reach their full potential and help them to become more self-aware. And all of this stuff, while it sounds good and it feels good, it certainly has really powerful business outcomes and impacts that it creates. So that's really us in a nutshell and what we spend all of our time and focus on. Yeah, our first interview with you was about why is self-awareness important? We had lots of people reach out to us afterward and said, I, I need to get these guys in the business. Um, self-awareness is like step one in a Stellar Co's process now because of our interaction with you, we realize how important it is to understand ourselves so that we can appreciate the differences in others and work together more effectively as like a human super organism. And um, Joe, you founded this uh, company in Orange County. Walk us through why. It's really interesting because I was an executive right through the process of going from the old ways into information technology, right? And I noticed that uh, the companies were spending a lot of money and resources into converting to technology. But in that process, the human element was being 
uh, not paid attention to. So as we became more technologically advanced, the human aspect of, of organizations became less and less important. So consequently, we noticed that uh, the training uh, went down. We also noticed that uh, the disengagement from employees started to go up. And so it became almost like an adversarial relationship between employer and employee, unfortunately. <clears throat> and um, but so we, we took advantage of the technology ourselves and we now have assessments that are scientifically peer reviewed and they're extremely accurate as you ladies have come to see. And so instead of a, a supervisor, manager, CEO, and executive spending six months or a year with an employee to get to know this person, you know, in 15 minutes, we give them all the information they need so they can communicate better, they can collaborate better. And as a result, what we're finding is when people are happier, when they're more appreciated, they perform better. So, you know, the company's job is really to, to hire competent employees, but at the same time, uh, the soft competency has been lacking by managers and supervisors. Mm-hmm. And so as we begin to bring awareness to the entire staff, uh, there's a communication we call a psychological uh, contract where you no longer look at your employees as an employee, you look at them as a treasure because, okay. you know, the, the companies really need, we, Cyrus and I call ourselves a gemologist, right? <laughs> so our job is to go and find these beautiful gems I mean, believe me, they're everywhere in these companies. Once we make the assessment, we find out some people that are not in good positions of power, they need to be moved up. And so as a result, wherever we go, the productivity goes up, uh, performance is optimized, and um, there's a whole new feel good, but that leads to actual bottom line and top line production that comes in. So that was the whole idea of all those years I, I was an executive. I wish I would have had this at my disposal when I was running companies, right? So we made it a mission to bring awareness and have companies start treating their employees as treasures, not as employees. This is really, it, well, I think you guys know this, and we've probably said this on the last podcast, is that Laurel has said that what you just said about finding the treasures within people and polishing the gems since I've known her. So, <laughs> so before we knew XQ, Laurel's been saying that. So it's uh, no wonder that we're, we're very built in connection with you guys. Yes. And it's interesting because I feel like what you guys are saying is, I just had this conversation with someone yesterday about how Laurel and I with the seller co it's, we're kind of doing it. It's like people aren't just a number and there's been that, that business, like traditional business world of the world got to a place where people felt like a number. You looked at people like a number and then you're bringing that human aspect in. And, and I was just having a conversation with someone yesterday, um, insight out our friends are forming this company where they're kind of bringing that model to education because the education system has been that way too. And sidebar, we actually want to follow up with you guys about this offline, but 
Like how do you use, it's the same thing with their education models. Like the students aren't just a number. They have things going on at home. You know, their parents could be going through a divorce or they might not have access to food some nights at home. And so how can you expect them to come in and do their homework and pay attention to math? And, and so I was just thinking about you guys in the context of this all last night. I was like, oh, this is just what everyone's trying to do. But and I was trying to think of, I'm just putting this out in the universe, trying to think of a clever tagline where, like, you're not just a number, but with a positive spin. So, you're yeah. a name. Yeah. So, open new ideas. Yeah. I, well, and I think that, that you guys do student assessments, right? Or for children. Tell yeah, us about sure. the different assessments you do and how they might relate to people in different stages of their lives. Students, young professionals, entrepreneurs. Absolutely. I mean, we have tools that are designed for kind of any situation. We have 21 different products that we have at our disposal. And, you know, as you mentioned, some are for students, you know, uh, our product called uh, the XQ Indigo assessment, it's basically designed for kids 10 and up. So once you turn 10 years old, uh, based on your reading level, right, you'd be able to take our Indigo assessment. And what's so powerful about that is that you know, I, I became more self-aware in my mid-20s, and it's <clears throat> paid huge dividends for me, but I can't even imagine if I had been exposed to this when I was 10. Cyrus, right? there's there's a book called Untamed by Glennon Doyle, and she mentions how at 10 years old, her mother watched the spark in her go out. Like the spark wow. of her just left at 10, and she didn't see it come back until she met her now wife, Abby Wambach, the professional som- soccer player. And when Abby asked for Glennon's mom's approval to ask Glennon to marry her, she said, I have not seen my daughter have this spark of life or be this happy since she was 10 years old. And it just resonated with me that that we were missing our self-awareness component when we're young. That's when all the external factors start to program what we believe in. I mean, Joe Joe and I see this everywhere we go. I mean, we work in many different countries. Our assessment is written in 90 different languages. So we're exposed to a lot of different folks from different places. And we see this everywhere we go. People are really hungry. You know, they know something's quite not quite right. They go, you know, this life we lead is good. And obviously we have everything we need in many cases, but why does everyone feel like something's missing? And that missing component is self-awareness, number one, but it's the ability to understand you know, once you've passed a certain level, I mean, Maslow figured this out a long time ago. We've all looked at Maslow's hierarchy, right? Where once you kind of have your food, your shelter, your basic needs are all met, then really what comes next, right? And in a lot of societies today, they kind of tell you to stop. You know, you got your money, you got your house, you got all this, you're good. The truth is you haven't even started, (laughs) you know? And so that's what they really do. I mean, uh, any... Average consumer can take one of these. Um, you know, business businesses use these tools. Schools use them. We're, we were saying about five years ago that this is about 10 or 15 years ahead of its time. And it's kind of starting to play out that way, where we're starting to see people use these things to better understand their people. Because, you know, as Joe was saying, I, I love Joe's story because he was there when it was all changing, right? Joe tells me how he was invested in his corporations that he worked for when he was coming up and becoming a top dog, they were spending millions of dollars on Joe. 
to better him, to coach him, to get him the best trainers, the best resources. How many people can really say that today? <laughs> right? And so that's really the fascinating thing. So Joe's story really kind of highlights what happened. Now, what I call this, what we have today, I call it the silent revolt. Because if you look, if you ask any worker under 35 years old, you know, most of them are not very happy with their job. More than two out of three people are not happy with their job, according to Gallup. And then when you look on top of that, the average tenure, people used to stay at a job 13 years on average. This would be my dad's generation. Now the average is two years. If that doesn't look like a revolt, I don't know what is. Yeah, that sounds like a problem. I mean, we talk about the, the Gallup poll that shows the disengagement. And, and then I think it was something like 13% of, of Americans are not just dissatisfied at work, but they're miserable. And that 13%, that to me is a negative externality on the, on the economy. Because right. if one person is vibrating at a different level of misery than everyone else, then everyone around them starts to vibrate at this level of misery. Misery loves company and it spreads like a, a virus. Yes. <laughs> and conversely, if we invest in ourselves, in our positive attitude, if we meditate and manifest and, and really bond and work together as a collaborative organism, then that spreads. Right. Sure. Do you know the number one reason why employees leave their uh, job? They, I feel like it would be they don't feel like they're adding anything. They don't like their boss. They, they say my boss doesn't care. Yeah, yeah. Number one. Mm. Right. Number two. I'm not learning. Mm. Right. So sometimes uh, the care comes from awareness. You know, we really subscribe to one minute manager. Whereas even if you give your employees one minute of recognition every day, it's better than giving them nothing. So that psychological bond needs to happen again in the workplace because we have millennials that are in the workplace now. They're extremely bright. They're very, very smart. And I would say they could run circles around many of the old timers, right? But we need to let them know that we care, give them the tools, give them self-awareness, give them soft competencies, emotional intelligence. And so everybody's on the same level, right? So that's the whole point behind XQ's mission, as you were asking me. It was really designed to bring people together as one unit, regardless what, of background. What, explain to our audience again what emotional intelligence is, and then I'll, I'll chime in with our story. Well, emotional intelligence is a brand new science, and it came about in the 90s. And it really talks about uh, how emotions can impact our productivity, not only in the workplace, but as far as how we interact with our family, our loved ones, people around us. And it can really, it's the biggest predictor of success. So when we say success is predictable, aside from a ton of scientific data that goes behind, you know, creating KPIs and performance indexes and all that stuff, is when people have high emotional intelligence, they appear to be more receptive to learning. They appear to be more receptive to getting along with other people. 
They appear to walk away from confrontations that are not necessary. You know, the, the workplace hostility subsides quite a bit, right? And so most people with high emotional intelligence can sustain success for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, because it hasn't been a science long enough, uh, the, the global average, I think, is right around maybe a C, D plus, C average. And as it begins to, to grow, the good news with emotional intelligence, unlike IQ, which stops at 17 or 18, emotional intelligence can continue to grow. So we've seen amazing turnarounds with people who are acquiring new emotional intelligence science and they're learning more self-awareness. And the performance just goes up dramatically as they begin to grow. So that's the good news with EQ, which is it's expandable and it's learnable. And go ahead. Yeah, XQ has taught us about that. And I would say that we are a, a case study in emotional intelligence growth and how it can help launch your career as an employee, as an intrapreneur, as an entrepreneur, whatever you might might be. I think of like the image that pops up in my mind now of somebody that's highly emotional emotionally intelligent is they're a hawk and they're flying over a meadow and they come into other birds territories and the birds just birds just mob the hawk just mob them and say you're in my food you're in my area get out get out get out well the hawk doesn't fight back it's not aggressive it's it is so centered it moves from center and consciously chooses to move on to a better place to go. Absolutely. So instead of attacking the mobsters, it goes, okay, I accept this. I'm reserving my energy to make better choices when I collect food and nourishment. I'm going over here. Exactly. And that has been, yeah, that's been my image of like, I want to be a centered hawk so that no matter what external factors come to me, my reality is calmly enjoying the journey and moving on. Yes. You know, what we've noticed is that every person has a, has a lot of great things to offer. But that greatness is not mined by, by managers. You know, they, we need to dig, dig deep and find out how we can all be on the same boat, going the same same distance, right? So many times we, when we get attacked emotionally or we get upset, our productivity, our cognition really goes down. And so although we're performing our duties, but we're not performing our duties at a maximum level. So we go into what's called the red zone, which is the emotional zone. So we become reactive instead of proactive. So when emotional intelligence is is prevalent among a group, guess what happens? Most people are in the, the green zone, which means their cognition is at the highest level. They cooperate better, they perform better, and they have a satisfaction of what they're getting done. So the biggest thing we've noticed with emotional intelligence, it leads to what's called pride of ownership. You own what you do, you own yourself, and you take a lot of pride in your results and mm-hmm. in, in your output. Mm-hmm. So as we're talking about all this, I, I, you know, I, I feel like we're dancing around like a major issue is that the last time we talked to you guys was a year ago. 
the title of this podcast is How Do You Predict or Ever Business is Predictable? And about, you know, calm amongst the storm, have this calm centered, and the world's changed in the last year. The workplace has changed. Yes. Talk about human interaction being at the core of what XQ does. And now we're saying we're being instructed to actually don't physically interact with humans. Yeah. And so from XQs, from from what you guys do in dealing with the pandemic and the uncertainty and workplaces going remote only, how have you found that businesses who have had a focus on emotional intelligence, how have they been successful or have they fared better than than others? Like, are there case studies yet or data that you guys have? Yeah, I mean, we right now we're in the process of actually putting something like that together because we see a clear difference between people who contacted us after COVID. We weren't part of their organization beforehand. And then people who we had established a tremendous amount of foundational work with all their employees and all their leadership and their management, those who had put in the time before COVID have adapted and innovated beautifully. Now, I'm not saying it's been easy for them. Okay, It's been hard for everybody. But the the companies who had already established self-awareness and learning at the core of their company but more importantly, who had understood their people at a deep level, they knew when COVID hit, they knew which people would be impacted the worst right away. They immediately went into helping them. They knew who might have a bigger tolerance, for example, for this type of new dynamics. So they, they were engaging with them in that on that front. And then they knew who kind of sort of fell in the middle, right? Because they were armed with this data. They, they knew what their people were on a surface level, but also at a very deep level. So because they had this knowledge when COVID hit, you know, although it was very difficult, they could pivot and adapt very quickly. And we have some clients we're so proud of because, you know, the the foundation was so strong, their businesses have actually thrived during COVID. We see increases in revenue during COVID, which is unheard of for many people. So we've definitely seen the difference. And mainly where we see it, ladies, is their ability to deal with these incredible added stressors, the added anxiety, the added pressure. Now more than ever, employees and employers have to do more with less. We don't have the luxury of making a whole ton of mistakes and learning from those, right? We've got to make better choices the first time. Yeah. And so because of this added pressure, you know, the XQ model helps our clients to say, wait, you know, there's two great candidates for this job, but who's a better fit for our culture, right? Who, who kind of fits in with us? Or, hey, we have a new challenge because of COVID. How are we going to address it? And who's going to be the one to tackle that? Now we can intelligently say, well, hey, you know, Jessa would be great for this because her profile loves these kind of problems. And Laurel would be great for this task. So it, it really kind of takes the fear aspect out and it replaces yeah. it with more tactical strategy and, and, and solving problems. That is incredibly valuable yes. to just be able to move from a place of intelligent calm instead of reactionary fear. Right. Yes. I feel so bad for the amount of businesses that, that we're in touch with all the time through our events, through our networks 
that are terrified, low revenue, don't know what to do. And then we've also been in contact with a lot of businesses that are so solid at their center and so collaborative and willing to ask for help and like trusting other human beings. Even There's some clients that we had on board that we hadn't met in person until like six months after working with them. Wow. We never met them in person because of COVID and we were- Some people, yeah, we still haven't met. To this day that we talk to probably almost every day for the last six months. And as I'm thinking about this, as you say it, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's- We haven't met them. I'm like, we've never met. Never met her in person. It's amazing. And there's two major things that we're seeing. We have an assessment called the stress quotient, right? Where we can basically see where is your stress coming from? And are you stressed at all? Maybe you're doing fine. Maybe you're handling it perfectly, right? So when we run our stress quotient, we're seeing a huge increase in stress, as you might imagine, right? Because of COVID. It's not so surprising that people are under more stress. It's just it's, it's hard to imagine how many people are experiencing and, and all at the same time. And then the second thing is engagement. How can we engage our team when everybody's separated? And on top of that, they're under more stress than they were before. So uh, to your point, you know, those who really put in that work beforehand are in such a better position now. Now, that doesn't mean it's like too late. It doesn't mean you have to give up. It's never too late to innovate. It's never too late to adapt and to change. And even when you think it's very dark and things aren't looking good for your business, believe me, we've seen situations so bleak that could turn around and become so positive. And it just requires like, you know, is is in the kind of the title of this, which is we need some predictability. We need some business intelligence to tell us what to do, because so many of us, when the pressure rises, it's hard to calm down and think strategically, right? So, you know, we need business intelligence today more than we ever did because our life really depends on it. Our business's lifeblood depends on it. Agreed. And when we connected with XQ through a series of introductions and experiences, we were, Jess and I were both in totally different places in our lives. And the assessments that we took helped, well, I will speak for myself, helped me grow significantly and have the confidence I needed to launch my own business to be an entrepreneur. Cause Joe, we were on the phone after my assessment and you're like, Oh, well you're unhappy because you're not making the decisions. And it was just so simple, but nobody had ever given me the permission to be a boss. <laughs> I, I just laugh at it now because it's like, I needed Joe and Cyrus to give me the permission to be a boss. I don't know. It just happened. <laughs> and ever since then, you know, you're, you're in my mind, like excuse has been in my mind when the limiting beliefs and the fear come up on, on my shoulder and say, Laurel, you can't do this. You know, the imposter syndrome stuff that we all suffer with. I now like channel my inner Joe and go, hi, limiting belief. You're so funny. <laughs> Not today. And you just, you just ignore it and just move on because it's the, I think what I struggled with, and I think that many people might struggle with now during coronavirus is there's a lot of fear. So you're constantly being bombarded with the fear voice and people fight the fear voice. Like, oh, I'm such a bad person that I'm even talking to myself this way, or I feel so guilty that I even have these fearful thoughts. And I would encourage them through my work with Joe to just go, it's not bad that I have these thoughts. I'm human and I'm listening to them and I'm accepting them, but I'm not taking that as my truth. My truth is over here and I'm moving on. Excellent. 
That's you know, so thank you. Thank over you for 90, your support. Sorry, over 90% of what we fear or worry about never happens. <laughs> worry is such a drain. Mine might be 95. Right? Yeah. 99.9. <laughs> <99. laughs> so one of the things that attacks our immune system is stress. More than the COVID-19, more than virus or, because we're constantly under attack anyway, but our, our body is able to fight it back. When we are stressed out, what happens is it impacts your emotional system, your limbic system, and it can lower your immune system, right? So the best thing we could do is to understand that the fear itself really is, is, is our worst enemy. Mm -hmm. As you were saying, if we rise above it, it makes it so much more easy to deal with issues. And so Joe and Cyrus, when we're talking about like business success, what does success look like for you? Like what is the perfectly organized or healthy business look like? Well, you know, a perfectly organized and healthy business looks like every person from the person who cleans the office at night to the person who is the chief executive of the organization, everybody is optimized. Everybody is engaged. And a really well-run company is quite boring. There's not a bunch of fires to put out every day. There's not a lot of chaos. There's not a lot of fighting, infighting and arguing. And, and it's actually quite calm. You know, every person understands their role. Every person understands why they're valuable in their way. And as Joe said, I love how he put it. It's like pride of ownership. I'm proud that I'm the VP of finance and I'm gonna own that role and I'm gonna take full responsibility. I'm proud that I'm the janitor. You know, I'm proud that I am the uh, customer service rep. I'm proud that I'm a salesperson. When you understand the company's overarching mission and it, and it makes sense to you what part you play in it and that part happens to match your strengths right? And the things that you bring to the table, that is a well-run organization. That is an organization that if we were to pull their company, they would have 70, 80 plus percent engagement. Whereas the, the typical company today has about 30% engagement. Now, why that's important is that engagement is just another way of saying profit center, right? Mm -hmm. If an employee is engaged, they're a profit center for you and for themselves, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. right? If they're disengaged, then not because they're bad people, not because people are malicious. It's just that if I'm not psychologically or emotionally connected, maybe I won't go that extra step for a customer. You know, maybe I won't stay, you know, it's 4.59. I have something left to do, but maybe I'll just stay an extra 10 minutes and do it. Right. Maybe I won't waste company's time or resource or my own. And so that's really the, the telltale sign is, is everybody optimized? Mm -hmm. Is everybody reaching their full potential? And if they're not, then that's when an XQ uh, model or an XQ system might be appropriate, right? Because if you're happy, if everyone's doing their job at the best level, then you really don't need us, right? But it's, it's, it's when things are really struggling. It could just be one department. And I think it was Laurel who said this, it kind of spreads. Mm -hmm. You know, if one person or one group is struggling, we've got to pay attention because guess what? That could be your department next. 
that could be your team that, that struggles next. So everyone has to really be paid attention to and given that care, given that understanding. And, and that's really something that I feel is the new competitive advantage in the new economy. So this new economy we have, so many people can do so many of the same things. The question is, how is my company better than yours? Well, we believe that the, the employee advantage, having better trained, more engaged employees is probably your number one competitive advantage today. Yeah, it's like it's like everybody wants to contract with, work for, or leverage a happy business. And it's pretty obvious when there are businesses that might be profitable, um, but people are really unhappy. And, and you can see like the profit margins may go up, but the people are unhappy and unhappy and unhappy. That's not a healthy business, even if you have a large profit, because that's certainly not going to be sustainable. It'll be it's, gone. Yeah, it'll be gone. So like you might maximize short term returns and short term profit right now by making the widget producer produce more widgets as hard and as fast as they can. You know, a widget producer that's not made to produce widgets. They're made to be an HR director. But here right. they are pulling levers and. And that's what I think that when a stellar code talks about do business without being a dick, it's a lot of companies can be profitable, but they're being greedy and they're working people to the bone. And we're here to help set you up on a sustainable trajectory so that you can be long lasting with happy people and having the execute innovation assessment and the, and the self-awareness is how you predict that you will be long lasting and sustainable. In my opinion, we, when people come to us and they say, Hey, We've had this problem for the last seven years in a row mm. and 10 years in a row. We can't figure it out. I'm sure you guys won't be able to figure this out. Right. You know, we're really smart. We've been doing this. And the truth is they are very smart and it's nothing against them. It's just that it used to be really hard to answer these questions. That's why so many uh, executives and managers kind of said, you know, people is the hard part. <laughs> right. And because people are so hard, you know, I'm not going to put a lot of effort into this because what's the return? You know, maybe I should just invest in this software. You know, that'll give me a better return on investment. That kind of thinking got us to where we are now. Right. But the truth is, it's not very hard anymore. You know, if, if that person who told me for seven or 10 years, we've had the same issue over and over. I promise you, we do assessments on that team. I will tell you exactly why they have that problem and exactly what they can do to change it. Right. And so it's not as hard as it used to be. So that's kind of a word of encouragement. Right. I want yeah. to put out there to all the business leaders. It's I know it's very it's very tricky. People are the hardest thing in business, but not so much anymore. Right. We shouldn't really look at it that way. It's crucial to say that because predictability and certainty in business is is what business people look for. Right. They, of course, we're all inherently risk takers because we're entrepreneurs or even we're intrapreneurs working in a, in a position of innovation. We're still taking on risks. Um, and the predictability and the certainty is a really good risk management tool to go, OK, this is going to be certain and predictable. So you can expel your risky energy on something super risky. Right. Else. Right. What's wrong with a calculated risk? I mean. I love taking calculated risks. I think it's so much fun because you do your homework, you do your research, you make sure the task and the people, you understand them both very deeply. And I, I, I can honestly say that, you know, most of these strategic initiatives we launch, they, they succeed. You know, they don't have issues because 
we look at ultimately where the where these things fail in business is not in the planning stage. They fail when you tell people, hey, we got this new plan and we need your team to do X, Y, and Z. The problem is, did you really understand if those people either want to do it, can they do it, and do they even believe in it, right? That's where strategies fail. And I, I find it kind of amusing <laughs> that, that um, you know, people get really upset about this stuff, but the truth is it's really simple. There's nothing to be upset about, right? If you design a good strategy, if you haven't thought about the people side of it, if you haven't done some analytics on the human intelligence side of it, then you're giving yourself about a 70% chance to fail. All <laughs> the research on strategy today says that, Joe, am I right about this? Isn't it about 30%? Yeah, 70% failure. Yeah. Yeah. It's shocking. Only 10% meet or exceed the, the intended strategy. Oh, no. Yes. So, <laughs> but but there's, there's a scientific reason why this is happening. The best thing we could predict is that things are always going to go from order to chaos. It's just the laws of the universe, right? So what part of our equation is we anticipate entropy, we anticipate uh, chaos and complexity, and we know the second law of thermodynamics will always be in, in effect, which means things from order are always going to go to disorder. Imagine you didn't clean your closet for a month. What's going to happen? <laughs> Just automatically, things get into chaos. So the whole XQ system was designed to have a scientific approach to mitigate and minimize chaos, right? And, and an attempt to continue to, to keep order up through innovation. So in other words, if a company or a person stays stagnant and doesn't innovate, you're always going to go into chaos and entropy, decay. So there's a scientific thing we introduced called negentropy, which is the negative entropy, which is the opposite of things going to, to hell, right? So the whole thing is scientific, although it's not seen by people. But behind the scene, we know that no matter what companies do, right, at one point, you're going to start to slip down. And you're going to go into entropy and chaos. So what do we do? We keep introducing new innovative techniques to, to keep the companies from going down and, and continue to go up. This is why most companies can't sustain success because they don't take entropy into consideration. So what are these innovative techniques that are introduced? Interesting you said that because... Uh, what really, as Cyrus was mentioning, what really causes entropy is people, right? Disengagement. You may have a fully engaged employee, for example, who might become fully disengaged because something happened uh, that caused this person to start losing interest in the company. So what we do is very simple. First of all, we want to create job descriptions. So everyone knows what their job entails. Two, we want to make sure the job is matched with person's behaviors and personality. So it's not a stretch to, to perform your duties. Thirdly, through education and training, 
we want everyone to become cohesive, be synergistic, not separate pieces of a puzzle. We want them to all fit in beautifully, right? Then we want strategy to, to take into consideration people's performance. Okay, and then when we know they're going to be able to, we can predict to a great degree, they can't do the job, then we need to keep that up because the marketplace is shifting. Who would have thought we'd be in COVID two years ago? No. <laughs> right? So part of your agile strategy has to incorporate predicting the unpredictable. Mm -hmm. Right? So as Cyrus was saying, we have many clients who were starting this years ago, and then they're, I don't want to say cruised through this COVID-19, but they were very, very adaptive. The, the I think, I think um, we might be one of them. <laughs> there you go. Definitely one of them. There you go. <laughs> so it's actually almost simple if you understand what to do, and it's very complex if you just want to push for results and not take into consideration the activities that lead to results. Because we say if you keep doing what you've been doing, you're going to keep getting what you've been getting, right? Mm -hmm. If you want to change what you're getting, you got to change what you're doing. In order for, for you to be able to change what you're doing, you have to be innovative. You have to understand that things are going to change. Can you actually predict what's going to happen in 2021? No. <laughs> right? So in order to be able to be successful in 2021 all the way through 2050, right, you have to be able to, to incorporate innovation and ability to change in your strategy. Does that answer your question, Janet? Okay. You had a question? Yeah. Well, as you're describing this, what I'm hearing is, oh, this sounds like a lot of time when for a business to invest in this. And I hear the value. Obviously, we've gone through it. We understand the value. And like, so how do you communicate this to businesses that you, you kind of can't afford not to do it when they're just working on what's in front of them right now, like their project load, like, and not carving out time for the long-term, like, sustainability of the business, but rather just a short-term task? I mean, this, what we do used to take months, right? I mean, the work that XQ does, I remember early in my career, I would have to sit with employees for weeks just asking them questions and figuring out what's the issues and what's going on. And, you know, that was so burdensome for organizations to undertake. That's why I think human capital initiatives kind of went by the wayside, right? For the last maybe two generations. But now it's super easy. I mean, I can't stress how easy it is to do this stuff. I mean, if, if, a, if an executive or a team or an employee sees some impending issues that could be coming, we can, in 15, 20 minutes, we can tell you, well, here's how we can prepare for it. You know, here are some things we can do to mitigate future disasters. Or if they say, you know, you know, our team is, we're number one at adaptability. Like we have people say that stuff to us. But if we assess the team, if their adaptability score is low, how could you say that, right? So if, a, if an issue were to come to them, they wouldn't be able to adapt. So if we're able to just kind of identify some of these things, some things you're aware of, Jessa, 
some things you're kind of not aware of, the, the results kind of make you aware of it, <laughs> right? And you go, uh-oh, uh, I thought we were this. It turns out our culture isn't like that at all. We say we're like that, but in underneath, that's not how we behave. So then what the, the answer is, well, how do we address this, right? And so slowly, incrementally, we begin to help the team. We begin to show them you know, things of how to adapt, how to be flexible, how to be versatile, right? Now, if they, um, it's very rare for a company to have all their goals being met. Everybody's happy. Everybody's satisfied. We, we have seen a couple, believe it or not. Um, but it's at, in this day and age, it's virtually impossible to have everything firing perfectly all the time. We need some help and we need some information. We need good data. We need good strategies. And I think that's really why we get so excited for the future. We're not pessimistic about the future because we've seen what some simple techniques can do for our clients. And we see that that can easily be done at a mass scale. You know, we, we really believe that it can be done. And it's just early, it's in the early stages is what you're seeing. You know, we're seeing a, a change in philosophy. There's people like Gary Vaynerchuk, um, others kind of famous figures online who talk about EQ a lot more than ever. So it's beginning to become part of the business vernacular. And uh, we just, we're happy that we're sort of at the cutting edge of it. I would say that now more than ever, like um, coronavirus is a reset button. In the environmental industry, all of us environmental professionals are going, this is a sustainability reset button for yeah. the environment and GHG emissions. And there's other industries that are like, okay, this is a reset button for the economy. We're going to invest in um, clean energy and renewables and like more stakeholder focused businesses like, mm -hmm. like we like. And so I would encourage businesses who, whatever phase they're in, startup, well-established, whatever, this COVID is a reset button to go, okay, I'm going to bring XQ in and make sure that I am decluttered, organized, calm, and ready to move forward because I just can't afford not to. The marketplace won't let us anymore. When I started my first company, this would be about like roughly 15 years ago now. I remember that I was allowed to make some mistakes, honestly. You know, I learned from a lot of my mistakes. I, I had to make a bunch of errors and then basically recover from that and learn. And that's what kind of made me who I am today. If I were to start that same company today, I wouldn't have that luxury, mm -hmm. right? I wouldn't get the chance to mess up a bunch of times and grow and learn. That's why you don't have a choice. You've got to figure out better ways because, you know, I, I do agree to an extent, like the, the, the failure economy, so to speak, people talk about, hey, go fail a bunch of times. It'll make you better. I think to some degree that's true, but then in, in, a, in a business operation, failing basically means you made bad decisions. If there was a way you could make better decisions in a quick and easy format, would you want to do that? And the answer, of course, everybody would say yes. And that's really what we're trying to bring companies and organizations. As you said, we're in schools. I mean, you know, anybody who has people and they're trying to get the most out of these people, need to find better ways to do it right the first time. I mean, just to kind of exemplify how hard this is for employers, when you hire somebody, you have two weeks before you lose them completely. Mm. You have two weeks to engage them. That's what all the research shows right now. So if in the first 10 business days, 
this person can't connect the dots and see that they can make it work here, they're already disengaged and they're already going to be seeking other employment. Wow. <laughs> so you don't get a lot of time. <laughs> you don't get this luxury like we used to. But that's the hard part. The good news is now we actually have technology, we have expertise that can meet this new demand. Agreed. It, it's like, I mean, we've said it before a bunch of times, and I'll reiterate here, the assessments are like 20 years of therapy in 15 minutes, and it sticks. And it's it's the first starting off put off point with our, our process. We engage you guys as our first step in our process for people because we just believe that that you can't move past it until you're self-aware. Well, it helps so much with communication because for me, that's what I see. My observation is that's usually the number one issue is communication, like not communicating your strategy. I guess it could be not defining the strategy. So <laughs> defining the strategy and communicating it. And so it's like you're not communicating the strategy and you're not communicating well with your partners and respecting that their differences is what's going to help you achieve your goals. And so when we're talking to people and they're saying, well, well, they do it this way, they didn't do it that way, or they're not doing this. It's like, well, you need them to do it that way. You need them to be the detail-oriented, meticulous note-taker because your brain doesn't operate that way, but you need to have the vision and see the big picture and have all these crazy ideas to be able to drive the company forward. But this person's gonna help you get there. I mean, when I look at you two ladies, the way you, when we met you, when was when was this be like two years ago? I think it was. I think it was like a year and a half, year and a half ago. Yeah, like it feels like five years. It feels like forever, right? Like we've known you forever. But when I look at the two of you, and I see where you were then, which was two super bright, super energetic, powerful personalities, right? And then with just some simple uh, uh, frameworks, some simple guidance. Look at you now. I mean. You've innovated so much during COVID. You're involved with all these different businesses. You've got all these things going on. And it's like, you guys are a living, breathing example of this. And, you know, just how a little bit of awareness between the two of you, you realize, hey, you know, Jess is really good at this stuff. Laurel's really good at this stuff. Let's become a powerhouse team, right? And just that knowledge, look what it did for the two of you. I mean, it's just so awesome to watch and to see the way you guys are navigating the pandemic. Absolutely. So it's just so amazing to see in real time Thank how you. these things manifest. <laughs> you know, there's, there's, some, there's some good news that I'd like to share oh. with your audience is the school systems will be adopting what's called social and emotional learning oh. in the upcoming years. Oh. So, because they realize that our children are not being taught social skills, right? So, I'm hoping that everybody will stand behind it and will really encourage our decision makers to really incorporate SEL, which is social emotional learning, into our curriculum. Yes, we've written it. We have integrated that into one of our clients that is establishing a youth leadership program and social and emotional intelligence is a key component of leadership. And, and she's designed this curriculum where kids get engaged and they move through it and they define leadership for themselves and they work on their emotions. And I'm so proud that we attracted that client. And I think that Jess and I attracted that. I mean, sidebar, they're our friends, but we attracted people like that because 
we've done the work with ourselves. And so now um, we're kind of magnetizing people that are in similar ways of their lives. And those, those are the people we, we like to work with. So I would also encourage businesses, if you want to attract the right clients and attract the right vendors and stakeholders, you got to figure out who you are and yes. who your partners are and your employees are. So then you can kind of like create your little tribe exactly. pretty organically and easily once, once you just put the work in. Yes. And you know, there are many kids, young kids that are high dominant personalities, mm. right? My people. And <laughs> so they are labeled as, I don't know, ADHD, ADD, whatever, right? The truth is these young people get bored. They're kinesthetic learners for the most part. They, they learn by doing. So they can't sit still through a, a classroom of, you know, 20, 30, 40 people. Mm -hmm. So with the schools that are incorporating the XQ Indigo system, uh, the teacher has a understands what every kid is. So this, this kid is a high dominant. So they get him involved with more doing. And the results are unbelievable. Mm. Right? So it's just awareness. It's, that's all it takes. And you I think can't tell this is like our passion project. You know, we, yeah. we love working with the businesses. We love our corporate clients and our enterprise work. But working with these kids has been such a passion for, for us that we can't even describe how fun it is to see. Do you want to you know, explain why? <laughs> it's a well, yeah, it's kind of like a, a kind of a, a, an inside story because both Joe and I were sort of labeled as these types of kids in school where, you know, I know Joe was told, why don't you sit down? Why are you so fidgety? Why can't you just pay attention? Right. He tells me all kinds of stories about his teachers saying, you're so smart, but why aren't you trying? Why aren't you doing all this stuff? Right. I had very similar stories where I had one teacher tell me, Boy, if you can just get out of the fifth grade, this will be a great accomplishment. <laughs> and I remember, yeah, right? Like I had I had a teacher who quoted, I can't remember where this quote comes from. This was uh, first, uh, sorry, third grade literature. She came to me and she said, Laurel, what you are screams so loudly, I can't hear what you're saying. <laughs> I have never forgotten that. Wow. It was the first, I, excuse me, I think it was the first time I was ever genuinely sad at school. Wow. And that, <laughs> imagine, like, because I have a super, I had a super dominant personality, but that didn't mean that I wanted to, like, overshadow anybody. I just was a cheerleader for everyone and just so excited for everybody. But that was just not allowed in my Catholic right. prep school. Yeah. I mean, it's so crazy. And, you know, because of all these dynamics, you know, Joe and I have, have felt the pain. In fact, the first school that we signed it was because of our story that they said, you know, we just have to do this. We, we have to go with this because you two have lived what you're telling us, right? You, you were actually a part of it. Since then it's expanded to other schools as well. And, and now we're, it's really turning into a fantastic initiative. But um, that's where Joe's optimism comes from and where mine comes from is that we get to see school districts and kids adopting a new way where not only are we, are we gonna have hard competencies and good skills, we're gonna have social skills, emotional training. We're gonna know how to get along with people better, how to be more open-minded. Because remember, the purpose of an education is to fill an empty mind with an open one, hmm. right? And if you look at our education system, maybe in its recent history, it's not, it's not really got a great record of doing that, 
right? So again, although we've gone through some tough things and we're really seeing what we see today with the social strife, with the political challenges, with the wealth inequalities and things like that, these are all symptoms of things that have been going on for 20 or 40 or 50 years, maybe longer. So we're kind of see we're feeling the pain of it today. But that doesn't mean that right here today, as we sit here, there are all kinds of people coming up with solutions to these things and they're beginning to be adopted. And so maybe when our kids come of age, right, um, they'll be experiencing a better world that's maybe more aware and mm -hmm. more uh, socially competent. It's like we, we're all going to have pain and we're going to experience pain, but you don't, we don't have to suffer from it and we can improve it. So thank you for investing your time in the students and making that your passion project because that's our future. Yeah, sure. You know, in fact, I'll share with you, um, you know, one school district is changing at risk to at promise. So kids have been at risk are now called at promise. Huh. That's great. That's really that's interesting. It, 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 I'm becoming so much more aware. I was talking about like awareness about the words we use to describe things. And there's yeah. so many words that we just use day to day that I don't even think about the meaning like at risk. And that's something that we've been talking about with our client a lot. So we're definitely going to make them listen to this podcast <laughs> and, uh, and refer that to them because that's, um, and they're being very conscious with the words that they use as well. And, and so I, oops, sorry guys. That's my reminder to eat a healthy and sustainable lunch. Oh. <laughs> it's so bad about not eating. And it causes stress and all that stuff. But anyway. So one thing I want to emphasize is that words have intention behind them. Yeah. What comes out of our mouth plays a big role in what we do or how we program ourselves and others. Mm -hmm. So be very careful what do you say? Yeah, we're going to... As far as ne negative labels, things like that, be very careful with that. Thank you. I'm, we're always looking for tips to be more conscious um, business entrepreneurs and speakers and community members. So why don't we wind down and give our three-point landing, the three key takeaways that you want everyone to walk away with? Okay. I know it's hard. No, it's... it's um, it's kind of like, you know, this been the theme of our whole conversation today, which is that anybody can become self-aware, right? There's no excuse anymore, right? And so it, anyone who feels that there's some lack of fulfillment, there's something missing, right? We all kind of have these inner dialogues. Anybody who feels they're not reaching their full potential, anybody who just has this nagging feeling of, hey, you know, I... I I heard all these things from my teachers, my parents, but it doesn't feel right. It doesn't sound like me. Any of you who have any of those that you can say has gone through your mind, there is a way to become more aware of that and to become more aware of who you are, to become more keen on what's good for you and what's bad for you in your life. So really, I just wanna send this message of, of optimism to anyone who's struggling right now with, with the pandemic, with maybe, employment challenges, various other health challenges. There are ways where you can empower yourself emotionally, mentally, and so forth. So that's really the first big takeaway for me is take set aside 15 minutes of your day and become more self-aware. Anyone can do it, right? The next kind of big takeaway is that if we combine people and tasks, then business is really much more predictable 
than we think it is, right? If you just focus on people or if you just focus on tasks and you don't blend the two together, then it's harder to predict your outcomes, right? So if you can combine good knowledge of people and task, success in business is predictable, right? And then kind of the final, let's wrap this thing up, takeaway would be that, you know, although it seems hard and although it seems like a monumental challenge, if you, if you invest time in your people, in your employees, in yourself, what you put on the inside always provides ROI on the outside, right? It, you never waste time bettering yourself or bettering your employees if you're a leader who has the power to do so. It's never a waste of time. It's never a waste of money, right? Because ultimately, those returns show up in, in multitudes of ways as you go down the road. So I think those are really the three big takeaways of our, of our discussion today. And I hope everyone walks away from this just feeling like, hey, there are solutions. <laughs> you know, yes. I'm not stuck. There, there's ways to improve my situation. Thank you. Thank and you so quick, much for my, investing the time moving with us. I have one quick takeaway I want everyone yeah. to hear. I am very optimistic. I love the millennial generation. I love the, the Z generation coming behind them. And I think we are really, we're going to have a great future, but we all need to pitch in and, and take care of ourselves and have that pride of ownership. Yes, we will do that. We commit to pitching in, taking care of ourselves and having the pride of ownership. And awesome. thank you for your, your support, your advice, and for sharing with all of our listeners and watchers here today. What a pleasure. It's great talking to you ladies. We miss you guys. Miss you. All right. Thanks for listening and visit astellar.co. That's A-S-T-E-L-L-A-R.co for reference materials from the podcast and to connect with Jessa and Laurel. Foxhole Studios specializes in audio production and can work remotely to meet your audiovisual needs whether you live in San Diego or not. Getting a podcast started? Contact the team at info at foxholestudios.com for any and all inquiries.